Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Hot Sheet Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce of the Prospect Team here and the curator of this week's Hot Sheet List. Uh, I'm rolling dolo today on a solo mission. Uh, Bear is, uh, I guess, gathering and hunting for food out there in the wilderness. We are on the cusp of our first system updates of the season to our top 30s. So all of us are incredibly busy behind the scenes, uh, you know, speaking with opposing scouts, uh, contacts within organizations, et cetera, to make sure that we give you the most accurate top 30 lists possible. So you're going to have to listen to me ramble on for about 25 minutes today on my own. But as I said, I uh, was the one that came up with the hot sheet this week. So I am intimately familiar with all the names that are on here. Uh, We'll start out with number one, one of my favorite pitching prospects in the game right now. I think there's some argument to even be made that he could be a top 10 pitching prospect, depending upon how you sort of break this stuff down. But that is the Dodgers right-hander Emmett Sheehan. Uh, Have quite a bit of history with Sheehan over the years as, you know, he was a Boston College starter here in 2021, was the ace of that staff. Um, And since then has has grown quite a bit. Um, You know, he handled innings here. The BC really didn't have a bullpen at that time. Uh, But since then, he's been under the Dodgers tutelage. We know exactly what the Dodgers do in terms of pitching development. There are few, if any, teams that are better than that in the game in terms of identifying talent in the amateur side and then bring those guys into their player development and really turning them into something. Um, Sheehan, you know, outlier fastball traits. Uh, it's a, it's a low release height that allows him to create very flat vertical approach angle with some hop, not all that dissimilar from Bryce Miller. I don't know if he's quite the outlier Miller is in terms of IBB, but I know that he has a lower release height uh, makes him a really interesting pitcher I know that I heard watching the Sunday broadcast, I watched both Sheehan starts this week as I tend to try to tune into the pitchers that I enjoy watching pitch uh, throughout the week. I had an interesting week last week. Uh, There were no games here locally or even in the remote area. So I had, you know, no games at Worcester, no games at New Hampshire, no games at Hartford, even uh, Hudson Valley was away. And then New Hampshire was up in Portland. I've seen both those teams multiple times. It wasn't worth the four hour round trip, uh, trip uh up to maine so yeah you know it was so it was an interesting week i sat here i watched a lot of games and knew that i had the hot sheet uh as a task so i just tuned into as many games as i possibly could sheehan was one that i was really tuning in on i think the sunday start was probably the most impressive because he did make uh, a two-step this week had a start on tuesday and then came on uh in relief of nick frasso who had returned from a little bit of a shutdown or injury. He hadn't pitched since the beginning of the month. Frosso went three innings, pitched very well. Sheehan then came in and threw six, which is his longest outing of the season. Um, And I know that there was some talk in the broadcast that he could potentially be called up to AAA, and that could be the last pitch that we saw. Uh, This is the end of the game. 
in in double a for tulsa that has not been the case he's still on that tulsa roster certainly could there could be some things in the works throughout the week which we'll touch on later we had a couple of guys that were promoted actually midweek this week that made the hot sheet but the thing with Sheehan that's really interesting is just the quality of the the slider has improved quite a bit he's always had a pretty good change of dating back to his amateur time and you know collegiate time at boston college uh but the fastball quality and i know they said it on the broadcast that Tulsa's pitching coach actually said that it's the best fastball in the minor leagues. I don't think that's necessarily hyperbole. When we look at the traits that I had talked about before, his ability to command, and he he holds his velocity. He was still holding 94 to 96, touching seven late into that game. Uh, And as I said, he went six. We've seen the development and the pitchers that have come out of this Dodgers system of late. You know, I think there's a case to be made that, if things really click, he continues to show the command that he's shown thus far in 2023 as he moves up the ladder and eventually into the major leagues and continues to be as efficient as he's been and shows the quality in those secondaries. We could be talking about another mid-rotation or better type of arm here in Sheehan. You know, I do think that there is certainly some split within the industry, even within our prospect team in terms of how high you want to go on Sheehan. I'm probably the highest on this particular profile. He kind of fits into that niche of pitchers that I like with really good fastball quality, outlier release traits, velocity, movement, and a pair of secondaries that he will throw, though he is incredibly fastball dominant. He's a little bit of an outlier in this day and age of guys throwing their fastballs a lot less. We see a lot more of the breaking balls. We see a lot more changeups than we had in previous years. Um, it, he's kind of an outlier because of what the quality of the fastball is. You don't want to necessarily tell this guy to throw it less. And it's funny, I'm going to jump around on the list a little bit here and go to another pitcher that I think is, is somewhat similar in some ways. Um, not sure if I necessarily like the secondaries as much, but there could probably be some debate there. And that is right-hander, uh, Mariners right-hander, Brian Wu. Um, Wu toward the end of last season, I think kind of popped a little bit. He showed up in the Arizona fall league, pitched very well in front of a lot of people. Um, and it's very similar to Sheehan in the sense that it's outlier release traits, very flat vertical approach angle. I checked this yesterday. He's a sub four VAA guy. Um, and just to give you some sort of major league relevance here, guys like Eric Cole, guys like Jacob deGrom are typically around that four degree VAA, um, which is sort of a flatter plane. If you think about it, the steeper the plane is, the higher the number is going to be. I mean, you're a little bit more downhill. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It just kind of depends on your pitch mix. Woo, the last time I checked, is like a three, eight VAA, which is incredibly outlier. Um, And he's not like a super small guy. So he, he does this with good extension with a lower, you know, sort of release traits and arm slot. And he's able to create a lot of efficiency because he is a you know pronation sort of dominant profile which means he has high fastball efficiency is the ability to sort of change over turnover change up he's interesting though because he does throw a really good sweeper as well which isn't always necessarily uh indicative of these pronation profiles um he's a guy that doesn't get a, a ton of hop on the fastball but because of those outlier release traits where he releases it from it's about 15 to 16 inches of ride um, with some heavy bore, meaning he gets sort of arm side movement as well. It's a re- it's a really, really interesting um, pitch mix. Um, he's really heavily dominant on that fastball and slider. He's got a curveball. He's got a changeup. I think he's only thrown like a handful of changeups this season. He doesn't throw it all that frequently. But it's a great fastball. 
It's, you know, a really good slider as well. Um, and he's another guy like Sheehan that made a couple of starts this week. Um, you know, went 10 innings, uh, did allow six hits, five walks, uh, but struck out 10 over those those two performances and just generally looks really good this season in double A in the Texas League, which is not an easy place to pitch. Um, he pitches in Arkansas, which is a little bit easier than some of the other parks in that in that particular league. Um but if you're familiar, you know that he's going to have, he has to go to places like Amarillo. He's got to go to places like Frisco where the ball absolutely flies out of the park. Um, so for me, I think Wu is another name to sort of keep an eye on. I think that we're starting to see him sort of on the back end of top 100 lists. He's certainly in consideration for sort of the next man up within our top 100 list. Um, I think he's really interesting, a pretty good athlete. He moves well on the mound, gets downhill, as I said, sort of creates that outlier release height. So that makes him a name that, that I really want to go after. Um, unfortunately, Josh isn't here this week, but try to step in here for a little bit of Ms. Jacob Mizorowski love. Um, Josh was there this week for his five-inning turn, didn't allow a hit, uh, actually allowed one base runner, and it was on a check swing where the ball ended up hitting the guy, um, <laughs> which just kind of shows you how nasty he is that you know you're swinging at a pitch that's actually going to hit you um he's in low a i think that's the only concern we really have at this point is there are some reliever risk here but he went five innings he dominated it's starting to become a trend with miserowski and you know i think he's probably one of the higher helium names at this point in the minor leagues on the pitching prospect side the stuff is nasty it is a very good fastball um, sort of another guy without outlier release traits doesn't get as much hot, but it's a good fastball. It is a nasty slider. If you watch some of the video that Josh put up, um, it is literally impossible to get after. Um, you know, he says he peaked at 101 in that start. It's upper 90s cheese, uh, and he's mix he's mixing in that that really good breaking ball. And it's funny because um, that breaking ball, as I said, uh, was actually the pitch that hit the batter on the check swing. You know, and it was it was a breaking ball that actually got him in the foot. So that kind of tells you um, how nasty that pitch is, how much movement there is, and how much that really confuses opposing hitters. So uh, Mizzy Orowski is another name that I'd be checking in on um, quite a bit. He's really, really interesting to me. Um, really just a, a big fan of Mizzy Orowski. I wish I had an opportunity to see him myself. I do try to tr sort of travel around and see the best pitching prospects in person so I can get sort of those uh, those in-person, first-hand accountability looks on them. Um, but for now, I've just had to look at the data, had to look at, you know, uh, the video uh, that Josh has put up and then broadcast when he's playing in an MILB park that does have broadcast. Let's jump onto another name here that's, um, we're talking about all my, my co-hosts and their favorite names here because I have so many podcasts at this point. But uh, 90th percentile, I'm not sure if you guys have checked that out. I kind of revamped that. It's on the main BA feed here. Brought in uh, Matt Pajak of Loden Sports, who does athletic testing for a variety of sports, but primarily baseball, I would say, is his focus. And he has some really great insights into how athleticism impacts projection and just talent in baseball. We had a really stirring conversation over the last two podcasts there on velocity. It's a two-part episode. Uh, just finished up the second one that posted yesterday on your feed, but I want to give credit to Matt here as uh, one of the first times I was introduced to Matt was years ago. 
and he had written a really interesting article um, about athleticism in baseball and perceived athleticism in baseball. And two of the players that he used in this particular article, sort of just to compare and contrast, were a first-round pick that was incredibly highly touted in Jordan Adams of the Angels versus a guy who went in later later rounds to the Dodgers in Johnny DeLuca. The article might have even been written pre-draft, but I can't remember. Um, since that point in time, we've seen their prospect status sort of intersect as DeLuca's prospect status has really climbed, that he's almost at the cusp of the top 100 now. And Jordan Adams, you know, we've just seen him not perform and not really develop in a way that we had anticipated based on some of his athletic exploits. If you're not familiar with Jordan Adams at this point, uh, I believe was a three or four star football recruit for D1, uh, was going to go to UNC Chapel Hill, if I remember correctly. Certainly there's a chance that I'm wrong. Um, also went viral for dunking on one of his classmates in gym class. That was uh, uh, a gift that you'll see quite frequently when someone's getting dunked on on Twitter or whatever. That's actually Jordan Adams dunking on somebody in gym class. But um, great athlete, but in terms of his explosiveness and some of the baseball athleticism, Matt's article kind of pointed to how strong Johnny DeLuca was as a baseball athlete. Um, you know, if you've seen him before, he's sort of a stout guy, um, but very, very strong, muscular, runs really well. Um, not sure he's necessarily plus, but it's above average. Uh, and there's power projection there is one of the things that Matt really sort of honed in on. And thus far, we've seen that. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, had, I think, 18 extra base hits in his last 32 games. He's among the the level leaders in double A and home runs. Um, last week hit 393, 414, 821. It's 11 for 28 with five runs, a double, a triple, three more taters, uh, six RBIs, a walk, and then seven strikeouts. Usually the approach is a little bit better than that, but, you know, he was uh, seeing beach balls, so. Typically when that happens, guys are locked in, they're swinging. There will be some strikeouts that go along with everything else. But DeLuca is one of these names that I think is just fascinating in the sense that another later round Dodgers guy, another steal that they got, and they were able to sort of turn that into a potential everyday player. You don't, you don't see that very often, uh, that teams are consistently able to get guys outside of round 10 that turn out to be very good players. And the Dodgers have been doing it for years. Um, DeLuca seems to sort of fall into another one of these unheralded outfield prospects the Dodgers have developed and turned into a potential everyday guy. Um, it would be interesting to see how all of these, these names and prospects at the top of this Dodgers list shake out. If there are any trades that are made to upgrade the major league roster, um, despite you know even more departures this year, which just seems to be an annual thing with the Dodgers where they lose players, replace them with more players within the system and guys that they add, and they just keep on rolling and churning it out uh, as they have one of the better records in baseball right now. So the Lucas are really interesting one. We're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be right back and we'll talk with uh, about a few more of these names that are on the hot sheet this week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, and we are back. We're going to jump into another name here in Ellie De La Cruz. There were some rumors before the week started that De La Cruz was being called up to Cincinnati based off of an Instagram post that was posted with a still shot of Ellie sort of celebrating with Post Malone's congratulations playing in the background. It turned to be much ado about nothing as Ellie did not get called up. Instead, he was taking it to Worcester last night at home in Louisville where he hit a walk-off homer. Um, so he's continuing his hot run, but last week he was good as well. 429, 500, 952 slugging percentage last week. Six runs, a couple of uh, doubles, no triples, three home runs, six RBIs, four walks to five strikeouts, two steals and three opportunities. The thing with Ellie that we're seeing is we're seeing the development of the hit tool. I know JJ wrote about this yesterday. Won't go too in-depth about it, but I, I encourage you to come onto our website and read that Ellie De La Cruz article. It was very good. Josh Norris actually had a great tweet yesterday, kind of looking at Ellie in AAA this season. If you're not familiar, they use the full ABS system from Tuesday to Thursday, and then from Friday to Saturday, they're uh, they're using the challenge system, which is very similar, but it's more of a pitcher and hitter sort of driven system where they sort of pat their head and tell you uh, which side or another they're going to be going to, whether they want to challenge or not. Um, that ended up uh, showing that there were some splits that that Ellie in the full ABS actually walks a lot more, strikes out less, numbers are really good. But there's been development there this season, and that tends to happen with sort of these these best of the best prospects, guys that do a lot of damage because pitchers, even at the upper level, start to pitch around them. They get a little bit more refined in terms of the things that they're swinging at. But when you look at the total package, there's few players in baseball that are as exciting as Ellie De La Cruz is. You have the power. You have the contact. You have the speed. You have the defensive ability. I know that JJ and I were talking offline, as we often do on a Monday or Tuesday, sort of rehashing the week, what we're working on, but also just talking baseball, talking prospects, which is something that you know we all sort of share a passion for here at Baseball America. And... JJ was saying, like, you know, he's like, I think this guy could be a 55, 60 shortstop. There's no reason to move him off. And I think he's right. I mean, it's an unbelievable arm. You could maybe put an eight on it. Probably could if you wanted to. Uh, the actions are there. He's incredibly athletic. He's just such an, a unique profile that the only comp that really comes to mind with me, and I'm not sure that it's, it's fair to Ellie, frankly, but that's for Fernando Tatis Jr. And I think he's a better defender than Tatis has ever been at shortstop. Um, Tisa's approach might've been more refined at this point, but the power, the ability to get on base, there's enough contact there. The things that he can do as a base runner, stealing bases, taking that extra base and a ball to the gap, all these little things sort of add up to make him a really impactful player that can impact the game for lack of a better term in a variety of ways. And, and that's what makes Ellie, I think, Arguably the number one prospect in baseball. We've been going through this over the last couple of weeks, whether it's Jackson Holiday, whether it's Jackson Churio, whether it's Ellie. I've had other people that I respect immensely say, what about Jordan Walker and the power that Walker has there? And despite the fact that he hasn't really been hitting in AAA, I think we all know that he's going to eventually click. The skills are there. Um, and I think it's just, you know, the, the balance of skills with Ellie that he has 
that explosiveness with even better athleticism than Jordan Adams with, with, a, with a, a defined defensive position. Um, maybe he doesn't have the plate skills of a Jackson holiday, but it's not as far off as you think. And he hits the ball incredibly hard. I know that he's being looked at as a risky prospect, but I do think in some ways that um, the risk on a profile like Ellie's is negated by just how unusual, how outlier so many of his tools and abilities are. And then we start to talk to folks that have played with Ellie folks that have coached Ellie people within that organization or have been peripheral to that organization in, in the last few years. And the makeup stuff is off the charts, which really you know, the term leader comes up consistently. And we don't always hear that, particularly with baseball players. It seems like he keeps guys loose. Guys like playing with him. Uh, and he's a, he's a positive contribution to the locker room. It's interesting. Cincinnati has this really interesting group of prospects and young players actually in the major leagues, in the upper levels, that can be up on the major league team by like July, August, that makes them a very watchable team for someone that hasn't been all that competitive over the last couple of years. They've done a good job of bringing talent into this organization. They got more draft picks this year. We'll see how that pans out. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting system sort of from top to bottom and, you know, credit to Ellie De La Cruz for some of the improvements that, that he's made this season. I had teased a couple of players that had been promoted sort of midweek this week. Uh, within the hot sheet. And the first one that we're going to talk about is James Wood, another outlier sort of guy, not necessarily the athlete that Ellie is, but a tremendous athlete, a very big body, very similar to Ellie if she's taller than Ellie is. Um, James Wood, he's hit very well uh, during his time uh, with high A Wilmington. It's not an easy place to hit. Started off the week... uh, you know, really hot, had a, you know, a bunch of multi-hit games, I think, to start the week. Scattered uh, three home runs throughout the week. Ended up getting the call to double-A on Sunday of all days and had a hit in that game as well. So now we have uh, J- James Wood up to double-A. He's still just 20 years old. Um, and as things have gotten, you know, hotter in terms of weather and environment, he's continued to hit and play really well. I think this guy is easily one of the top 10 prospects in the game. If we're going to bring it to the fantasy side of things, I think he could be even be a, a top five to six prospect. You could maybe even argue higher. Um, the power upside here is immense. The contact skills overall have taken another step forward this year. There's still some zone whiff, but he rarely chases, um, which I think is a credit to to Wood and, and to that approach. And this is a debate I have with people all the time when they obsess about end zone whiff rates is if the guy has a low chase rate, but his whiffs come in zone. I'm sort of okay with him. He's swinging at the right pitches. He's swinging at strikes, even sort of incremental improvements over the next couple of years within that particular space can lead uh, to more results, pay dividends. You know, we've seen somebody like this struggle a little bit in Gunnar Henderson, um, who had some end zone whiff concerns, um, you know, with great chase and a lot of power. So, you know, it's not always smooth sailing, especially when they get up to the major leagues. They're going to see more strikes. You're going to see guys that fool them a little bit more. Um, but I do think these young players with these advanced play discipline and power, you know, they tend to sort of right the ship and figure it out, know what they can and cannot swing at. And what is one of those guys? So, you know, he earned that promotion and, and it makes a lot of sense. The other guy I'm going to bring up here that earned a midweek promotion was our helium name this week. And someone that as I've been doing some of my background work on the Houston system and updating a guy that wasn't on the top 30 list, but 
is probably going to be within the top 10 on that Houston system, which isn't saying ton. It's not the deepest system, uh, but they had a really good draft. And in, I think it's an improving system just from a talent standpoint after so many graduations and, you know, missed drafts because of their, you know, their uh, suspensions and Excel or, or uh, uh, yeah, you know, just in terms of the things they had to deal with uh, in the fallout of, the cameras uh, uh, and and trash can banging scandal and all that. Um, I don't want to call it Spygate because it's that belongs to the Patriots. You know, we got to give them their own due. Um, but Zach DeZenzo, uh, who was um, a 12th rounder last year, uh, DeZenzo has really proven to be really talented. I think it's more than just that great Asheville hitting environment. Um Asheville, if you don't know, one of the best hitting parks in all of any level of baseball. It's a great place to hit. The ball flies there. Fences are pretty short. Um, so it allows guys to take advantage of that. But the thing with Desenzo is the approach has been really good. The contact is, is average-ish. And the exit velocity data is excellent. So he's hit 407, 474, 628 with a 12% walk rate over 31 games with Asheville. He gets promoted during the week. I think it was on Friday uh, to double A Corpus Christi um, finishes the week strong, you know, hit 389, 500, 667, six runs scored, two doubles, a homer, four RBIs, three walks to two strikeouts and uh, one steal in two attempts. Um, I don't know where he's going to end up defensively. He's played, you know, first, second, third base, um, not sure he necessarily sticks in the dirt. Maybe he ends up as a corner outfielder. Um, I know the team thinks that there is enough athleticism there that he can potentially hold down a corner spot. Um, but, you know, the thing is with with Desenzo is you look at the combination of what I would call the big three, which is contact, approach, and power. He has that in spades. And these are the type of prospects that the Astros, number one, identify really well but also develop within their system really well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of his season goes. I think he's a name to watch. Um, you know, if you're an Astros fan, he's someone to maybe be excited about within the next couple of years. If you're a fantasy guy and you're playing dynasty baseball, I think Desenzo is a name that is readily available, even in deeper leagues that you can add. I added him in a, in a 20 team league where I'm rebuilding. Uh, it's the Highlander dynasty league. Um, you had a pretty good first season, but the second year, uh, the way this league is set up, I lost a lot of players. So I'm, I'm in rebuild mode right now. So I'm trying to chase as many high upside prospects as possible. And I got the Zenzo for, I think a $0 bid. So just to goes to show you that even, you know, in a room full of sharks, that's a very smart league. You might be able to find some guys like this. And I think the Zenzo is a good one, which is one of the reasons that I picked him as a helium name. I think I've gone through enough of the names here on this uh this week's hot sheet that i don't i don't want to keep on going through spoil it for everybody so you can go on you can take a list a, a look at this list i'll be answering questions later today in the chat um actually headed out to the ballpark now got uh, an 11 30 game up in new hampshire uh was there last night with for a three and a half hour game it was one of the longest minor league games at the pitch clock i've been to uh it was griff mcgarry was starting for Reading, which is one of the reasons I went. Uh, Bash ended up getting the start for Toronto, uh, for Toronto, for New Hampshire, and it was kind of a bullpen game for New Hampshire. I think they they went through four or five different pitchers. So a really interesting pitcher at the end of the game, though, in a right hander by the name of Connor Cook. 
He's throwing like five to seven and it's good fastball shape. He had a little changeup. He was working off of the fastball that tunneled really well. Uh, a slider as well. That was pretty nasty. I'll post some video of him when I get back from the game and have some opportunity to cut it later today. Um, but just sort of a, a relief name to bring out there. Cause I feel like, I feel like Toronto hat like parades out like two to three good relievers at double A every single season and guys that I wasn't all that familiar with. So little gem I'll throw out there, but I got to get done. I got to get ready. I got to get in the shower. I got to get to the ballpark. I got to shoot some video um, then get back here for the chat by two o'clock. So I'm going to have a whirlwind day, but I appreciate everybody tuning in again to the hot sheet podcast. We'll be back next week. You want to just listen to me talk endlessly for 25 plus minutes. We'll have Josh back on next week. It will be the bear. It will be the parrot. This is Jeff Ponce signing off from baseball America. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to check Hachi. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.